after church, we're going to have lunch and training. So lunch will be provided, and we're going to have some training and kind of get a little bit more things rolling with that. Uh, today is a special day. We've got um, Luke, and, uh, Luke Kennedy and his wife, Brianna, and uh, they're some missionaries, and they're going to be presenting this morning, and Luke's actually going to preach for us this evening. So uh, come back for that, all right? That's a surprise. That's my gift to y'all, all right? Hey, y'all, y'all get a night off from, from hearing my lovely voice, all right? But um, spend some time, too. They've got a table in the, in the lobby, uh, in the hallway there. Ask them questions, talk to them, and all that good stuff. They would love, love for that uh, to happen. And then as well, on March the 30th, um, not this Wednesday, but the coming after that is going to be our Witness Wednesday. We're going to have two spots where you can come to the church, 9.30 in the morning. I'll take a group out. We're going to do some door knocking, uh, inviting folks for revival, giving the gospel out. And then that evening as well, you can either come to church and pray or come to church, hop in a van, and we're going to take off and do the same thing that evening, okay? But we want to get the word out. And by the way, you don't have to wait till then to pass out or invite somebody to revival. We've got uh, about 500, I think, uh, little, little note cards in the back, um, and pass them out. Um, and we'd love to invite folks there. But as well, the revival is coming up, so mark that down on your calendar. Be praying for it, as we have been here at the church, and I believe that God will have uh, something special for each one that, that uh, makes the effort to come out and to pray. Ask the Lord for something. I, I believe that He will give, uh, give you what you need. And not just for revival, by the way, but even for this morning's service. We're, we're here today to glorify God. We're here today to fellowship with one another. We're here today uh, to receive what we need from, from His Word through the power of His Spirit. And so this morning, without further ado, let's pray. Let's ask God to bless this day, uh, to meet our needs, and let's lift Him up and let's worship Him today. God, we come to You this day, this morning, Lord. We're, we're grateful for another day of life. So thankful that we can gather and, and freely and to worship you, Lord, uh, that we can lift up our voices and sing to you. God, that we can open up your word and to hear it preached and to study and to know through the power of your spirit. God, I pray that today that, that the many needs of, of, of hearts today, Lord, that you would meet each one. God, if there's someone today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today that you would convict them of their sin, uh, draw them to Christ, and Lord, that they would put their faith in him and that they would be born again. Lord, if there's someone who's in need of encouragement, I pray that you would encourage them. Someone who's in need of, of convicting, Lord, convict them, Lord. God, whatever the need might be, I pray that through your word and through your spirit that you would accomplish what you set forth. And Lord, today, that we would worship you, we would glorify you, that we would have a sweet spirit and sweet fellowship today, Lord, as we just enjoy being in the presence of one another, but Lord, especially to have you in our presence today. God, we love you, we thank you for this time, and we give it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to be in the Lord's house. I'd rather be here than anywhere else today. Amen. Hope you feel the same way. We're here to honor and glorify and worship and fellowship with our Lord and Savior through His Word and His Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why we're here. If you're able, please stand. And if you want to, you can turn to hymn number 508. We also have it displayed on our screens. Love lifted me, Psalm eighteen sixteen says he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. Think about that as we sing this song. 
love lifted me and any of you that saved here this morning I hope all of you are he lifted us amen I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me now safe am i love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me my soul's best songs faithful loving service to to him belongs love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me love lifted me love lifted me Love lifted me. Amen. What an encouraging song that was. And this is nothing that encourages me. Saved, saved. In Titus 3, 5 it says, and the only way we get saved, by the way, according to his mercy, he saved us. It's God's mercy. It's God's mercy that we stand in here today breathing. Amen. Saved, hymn number 500. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love as I do when poor and needy and all alone and love he said to me come on to me and I'll lead you home to Eternal 
saved by his power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We have the victory in Jesus. Hymn number 353, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, God giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, y'all remember the words bought and redeeming blood. We're going to make a scene here now, okay? <laughs> on, on that word, let me explain why I said that. Bought, we say the word sold and redeeming blood. We praise the Lord. Amen. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins say welcome, look left, say welcome, look behind you, look in front of you. We want to welcome all of you. We're all glad you're here. Amen. Then you may be seated. All right. Thank you very much. We will have uh, prayer time now. Okay. And uh, then we'll have some special music after that. Join with me as we lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the songs we've sung and, and the encouragement 
that was in them and showing us, Lord, that you did it all. You did everything by your mercy and your love. We praise you for that mercy. We praise you for that love. We thank you, Lord, for dying for us on the cross of Calvary. We thank you, Lord, for just everything you do for us, everything you give us. Lord, most of all, for saving our souls. And we're so glad that you let us sing about that. We uh, pray, Lord, every song, every word be uh, glorifying and honoring to you that the name of Jesus be lifted up and, uh, Lord, you be edified and your name be exalted here today. We ask, Lord, you would help our pastor to preach your word. We ask, Lord, you would give him strength, liberty, boldness, and uh, power from in the Holy Spirit that and the message that you've given him he'd be able to convey it the way you want him to and help us to receive it Lord the way you want us to help us to be Lord uh, doers of, of your word and most importantly today hearers of your word as we assemble together here today we ask Lord for be one in our midst that needs encouragement we pray that today they would get it through the preaching and singing, Lord, of, of your word. We pray, Lord, if there's one that's, uh, Lord, needs saving, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost conviction would come upon that person that be saved before it's eternally too late. And, uh, Lord, we'll be faithful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory for everything that's accomplished here today. For it's in the precious, loving, holy, righteous name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, we have a special now by Miss Cammie, and looking forward to that. We'll take a minute. You good, Sharon? Okay. Um, I just want to thank the Lord for saving me and the ability that I am uh, healthy enough to run marathons sometimes on Sunday, because that's what it feels like. <clears throat>
was. And could y'all hear that? Okay, we might have her do that again if you can. No, <laughs> I'm just picking. I'm just picking. We, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna ask you to stand again if you're able. Hymn number 753. Jesus is coming again. John 14:3, an encouraging verse by no means. And if I, this is Jesus talking, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Powerful words right there. And receive you unto myself. Amen. Jesus is coming again. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing. Wonderful word of the King. Jesus is coming again. Coming again. Coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. You may be seated. Now we have a, our pastor coming. Uh, join with me in a round of applause for our pastor, God's man. Sure. Kevin, you want me to use a microphone or pulpit? Which one? Pulpit? Okay. All right, y'all. Well, um, we've got a special treat. Uh, we're going to have Brother Luke come. Uh, I met Luke. When we lived in Danville, um, I worked at uh, Lifeway Christian Bookstore, and uh, we shut that place down, didn't we, man? We did. <laughs> they shut all of them down. Um, we got to shut that one down, so we got some deals. But uh, anyways, we had a good time enjoying working with each other, and I got to know Luke, and uh, him and his wife both have uh, an incredible heart uh, for, for missions and for what they're doing. Uh, their, their life, really, both sides of the family, I mean, they serve the Lord. And um, you can't ask for much more than that. I know they love the Lord. And I'm going to let him talk about what he's going to be doing and, and sharing. And 
I firmly believe that uh, that God will bless them and God can do great things through this. And it's a an incredible need. So Luke, you come on up. You share for a little bit. You share whatever about your ministry, and, and we appreciate you. Let's give him a hand. All right. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say thank you um, just for the opportunity that we could come and uh, present. And like you said, we met at Lifeway, and you know, we really did shut it down. It was, it was, a, it was a good time. Um, we got a lot of deals. Actually, this Bible that I'm using right now. Um, but uh, uh, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, long drive yesterday, but it was a good drive. Good weather, and uh, we got to go out to eat with uh, Joe and Cammie. It was a good, it was a good time. And um, so I know one of the first. Well, let me. I should probably introduce myself. Um, for people that don't know me, my name is Luke Kennedy, and my wife Brianna is up here in the front. Um, you can stand if you want, so people can see me for a second. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, for people that don't know too much about us, we're actually going to Russia. Um, to reach the Russian and Chinese people. And you'll say, why are you going to reach Chinese people in Russia? Uh, well, the area in uh, Russia that we're going to has about, the population there is about 25% Chinese. Um, and we'll actually be right across the border from China to be able to reach those. And uh, if you want to know more about the specifics of that, um, I'll have to tell you tonight just because of the safety of uh, different people and being online. Um, but uh, I know that with Russia, uh, the first thing that people are going to ask me is how, how is uh, your mission going to be going with what's going on right now? Um, as of right now, with the war going on in Russia, uh, we're planning that we're going to go. Um, for us, I'm trusting that God has called me into this ministry, so he's going he's gonna to take care of the rest. Um, and does that make it easy? No. Um, it makes it more interesting and we'll have to probably be creative in a lot of ways. But looking at what's going on right now, I truly believe that through all of this, um, when it's finished, I, I believe that there's going to be a lot of um, openings for us to be able to reach them with the gospel because um, I truly their, their money has devaluated so much that I actually brought it up. I, w I wanted to look it up. I was up on my phone trying to find the specifics because every day it changes. Um, just last year, the, the money in Russia is called rubles, and the, the Russian ruble was 60 rubles to a dollar. Um, just this, just in the past couple weeks, though, that has uh, risen actually to 107 rubles to a dollar. Uh, so that shows how much money uh, <laughs> they're losing. They're, it's just devalued so much. Um, their banks have actually closed over there, and international businesses are pulled out of the country. Um, most of our businesses are completely gone. Whether it's coffee shops, restaurants, you know, McDonald's, Starbucks, all those different places, they've all actually pulled out, and so they've lost a lot of um, a lot of the different countries. But I mean, if you look at what's going on right now, many of the Russian people don't actually want this war. Um, and this is from talking to the the pastors that we've actually met, um, and the Russian pastors that we're connected with. They don't want this war. The Russian people don't like it. Um, but the people that are protesting, um, they, pro they estimate it's around 13,000 have been arrested and convicted for treason against the state for just speaking out. Um, and if that doesn't show you how blessed we are, <laughs> then, uh, then that it's, just, it's crazy what's going on. But honestly, I, like I said, I truly believe that God has called us into this mission, and I believe that he will take care of the rest. And I believe that um, he'll get us there 
if he if he wants us to be there. Um, so with um, with that, where we're going is Far East Russia. Um, like I said, if you want to know specifics, we'd love to answer any questions um, after the service in the back. I'll, I'll, I can actually show you on the map back there exactly where we're going. Um, because of safety, we won't say, say exactly where. But why we're going is actually because of the persecution in Chinese churches. So we were actually originally going to be going to China. That I mean, when I changed, or when we changed our mission to Russia, it was actually, um, he helped me with it, your pastor. Um, and it, we were talking about it right before our service today. And um, with... Chinese, the, the Chinese persecution has gotten so bad right now that we believe that in, within the next year or two that China is going to be completely closed to foreigners again. Um, and so it's, just, it's gotten so much harder to be able to reach the Chinese people. Um, we still have one team member that's still over there. They've been there throughout all of COVID. Um, and they're, uh, but they don't believe that they're going to be able to stay there because um, in October they have to have their visas renewed and they don't think that China is going to let them. Um, and so... With God calling us to Russia, um, there's a lot of reasons that God, that I, I truly believe that God has moved us towards that way. The location where we're going is a vacation city for the Chinese people so that they can come in. It's a little bit easier for us to reach those pastors. Um, but I mean, even with China, with, with the persecution in China, it's gotten so bad that actually the country is changing the Bible. So I wanted to show you an example. Uh, the president has actually changed the Bible, and what they did is they took the uh, um, the spot where Christ was, um, he without sin cast the first stone. Actually, in the way that they rewrote it is that he took the stone and stoned her himself and said that nobody is greater than this date. And so they take the Bible and they rewrite it to fit the communist agenda the, the communist agenda they want to rewrite it so that people so that because they can't take the bible away from people because people just keep getting it so now they're like well i guess we'll just rewrite it and give it to them anyways and so they'll just change it to what they want them to believe and so we want to be able to reach those people but with the being so closed and being so hard that we have so many liberties here that they just don't have and we have a lot of resources that they don't have so that's why we want to reach but with who we're reaching, we are going to be reaching uh, specifically the Chinese people and the Russians. We want to reach uh, Chinese pastors and Russian pastors. And what our goal is, is that we actually want to move to this city. And long term, we want to start a training center so that we can teach uh, Russian and Chinese pastors and then send them home um, so that they can teach people and that they can start churches. Um, because looking through the our model is... They come to us, we teach them, we send them back because they have a lot of cultural barriers that we don't have, or, th or they don't have cultural barriers that we do have. Uh, they don't have language barriers, they don't have all these different uh, ideas, and so we want to be able to send them back so that they can reach the people because they can do it a lot faster than us. Um, and they just, they have a heart for God, they just don't have a lot of the resources that we have. And so what we want to do is we want to start a training center in the city and be able to reach them. Um, and, I mean, it's amazing to see how God m moves. We, we went to Russia last year um, right before, or actually, no, it was 2020. It's crazy. But we went right before uh, COVID hit. It was, we, we went to Russia in January. And uh, it was, it's amazing to see 
God move in so many different ways. But <clears throat> with Russian, we want to help Russian pastors start these Chinese ministries. And so we went over in, in, the, in the idea of going and talking to them about it. When we arrived, um, me and the director, we, we, uh, he told me that they had already started tons of Chinese ministries within the past year. And he was telling me about it, and I was like, so what's the significance that you were telling me? And so he started explaining to me with, with Russians. Russians actually, they, and you can actually see this with the war that's going on, but when you're, when you're Russian, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like American pride, but taking, taking it a step further. And what they do is that they, would, they look at Chinese people as actually lower than dogs. So a lot of times when you look at the Chinese people as a Russian, they're lower than dogs. And so they don't care to reach them. Well, our pastors that we've been talking to and we've worked with for a long time, they're actually starting Chinese ministries. In fact, one church that we have, he started a Chinese ministry and he actually has 50 um, Chinese people going to the church that he started. And that's a massive church in another country. He has 50 Chinese people uh, going there. And as well as that, they're actually sending out missionaries back to China. And that it's, it's amazing to see God work and to see God move. And it's the fact it's like they they went from this this idea that they're lower than dogs to now wow they need the gospel just as much as we do, and so now they're looking at the Chinese people as a mission field, and it's amazing to see that, and it's it, it's it's great to see God move through these pastors, and that's what we want to encourage, and that's what we, what we want to be there for. We want to support them and just help see where God is moving and push that, and. I learned it a long time ago is that <clears throat> we want to look and see where God is moving and just join him in the work that he's already started. And uh, to give you the, the verse that we base our entire ministry on, it's 2 Timothy 2, 2, where it says, and, these are, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You want to know the, the, where it all comes down to? That's the verse that we base everything off of. We want to teach them so that they can teach others. Our model is we started a new curriculum that we we require them to, to them to have a Timothy so that we have them and we usually want to start with 10. We get 10 men and those 10 men have 10 men and we require that. And so then those men also, and they teach the same exact thing. So we teach them, then they teach their 10 people and then they teach their 10 people so that they just keep growing. And we use this, and we have a whole model, and I'd love to show you any of the books that we have in the back um, and just be able to share with anything that we can, and um, I'd love to answer any questions that anybody has about anything going on, and tonight I'll share even more in detail about what's going on in the different persecution, and um, just, uh, just, again, grateful to be here, and I'll just hand it back over to you, please. You know, it, it takes guts to do that. Um, there's no way around that. I, I've, I've told, told Luke and Kimmy and I've talked, and I remember one time, it was actually, I don't know if it was when we were coming here or what, but I remember Kimmy specifically told me, I'll follow you anywhere, but just don't be China. <laughs> Praise the Lord, my wife has followed me and uh, gone with me through anything, and uh, I'm thankful that we're here and that I, God has not called me to do what you do. It's uh, very scary. I mean, it, it, there's no way around that. Um, but that's, it needs to be done. 
Um, it's very easy right now, and, and we'll get into the sermon in just a moment, it's very easy right now to look at communist nations through our American lens that we would disagree with politically, ideologically, theologically, and to say they're the enemy. But Christ died for the communist. Christ died for the Russian. Christ died for the Chinese. Christ died for sinners. And so praise God for those who are willing to say, I'll go tell them. They need someone to tell them the gospel. And I love the model that it's not about us going to try to make them American churches or American believers, but rather we're going to teach them so that they can teach others. That's what God called us to do in making disciples. That's the Great Commission. So praise the Lord for that. Take your Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter number 12 this morning. Romans chapter number 12. As we're looking here, we started last week in verse number 9, and today we're going to be looking at verses 11 down through 15. We're talking about the character of a Christ-centered church. Last week we talked about that the part of the character of a Christ-centered church must be sacrificing. We talked about what sacrifice really is, and sacrifice is love. Love is sacrifice in actions, unconditional it gives and it gives and it gives. As he had said in verse 9, let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy is the idea, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Now here's our text for the day, verses 11 to 15, serving. The character of a Christ-centered church is serving. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you now grateful for your word, for the praises that have been lifted. Lord, I pray that now we continue to praise and worship you as your word is preached. I pray that you would fill me with the Spirit. Allow me to preach boldly and accurately according to your word. God, we're grateful for uh, our, our dear missionary friends here who are giving their lives to serve you. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless them, meet their needs, provide for them a way. And Lord, that you would do a great work there, Lord, and help us to be reminded that there's not a single time, a single moment, or a single place that you're not at work. Lord, even though we don't always see the things that you're doing, but we can trust that yet you're still work, that you're still at working, saving souls, and doing great things. God, help us trust in you now. Give us what we need from your word. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our mission statement here is to know Christ and to make him known. Right? And this boils down to us striving to be a, a Christ-centered church. But in order to be a Christ-centered church, we talked about this last week, we have to be Christ-centered Christians. This is an individual thing first before it's a church thing. But before the church can be Christ-centered, it can be a beacon of hope and light in the community, every believer must say yes to the Lord. Every believer must say, Lord, let me be the one. We all must be the ones who commit ourselves to Christ. Now the character of the Christ-centered church throughout this passage we've seen, verses 9 and 10, is that it is sacrificing. Today we're going to look at it in verse 11 and 15, that it's serving. And then verses 16 and 21, that it is submitting. Now, now there's a whole lot more to, to go about how a church should run and operate and things like that. But, but these are three key things that make us not just a church that gathers together and does churchy things, because there's lots of people that gather together and do church, right? But there's very few churches that are actually the church. The, the church is not the building. The church is the body of Christ. 
There are many who gather together to play church or to play Christianity, to, to sort of hypocritically do those things, but we're called to literally be the church, not just when we're gathered, but when we're scattered abroad in our jobs and our work week and our day-to-day life. So we need Christ to be first in our life there, now, here at the church when we gather, so that we, it's Christ-centered in when we go and as we go throughout our entire being. Everything must be by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. The first thing I want to look at is verse number 11 today. When we're talking about serving, there's a few ways that we have to understand this. Verse 11 shows us that we must be serving excitedly. Excitedly. It is an exciting thing to serve Jesus. I don't know if you know that or not, but it should be. Do you know this, that the God of the universe has looked down upon your sin and yet still died for you and rose again to offer you eternal life, not just to grant you forgiveness of sins and to give you a mansion and to give you you all the glories of heaven and to be with Him, but so that way you would be used of Him. So that you would be a part of the most beautiful thing that there is in this world, and it's called the body of Christ, the church of God. It should be an exciting thing to know that that same God looked at us in our humble, lowly estate and by His mercy and by His grace has said, I want to use you. That despite your sin, despite your attitude, despite your, your downfalls and mine as well, He says, I want to use you. Now, to serve excitedly, we have to look, first of all, He says, not slothful in business. Y'all know what a sloth is? That sloth's that real slow animal's got them long toenails, hangs from trees, and grows moss on its back because it's so slow, right? Now, there's some folks, my wife included, and others probably in this room who love sloths, okay? So I'm not here to bash sloths this morning, all right? They're one of God's many creatures that He made. However, in the Bible, every time that we see sloth or slothful, it's not a good thing. (laughs) I don't even see in the Bible, and I'm sorry, where He says the sloth is a cute animal, but it might be to you, and that's okay. What he does is he talks about the sloth being slow and lazy. Throughout the Bible, the sloth is used to describe someone who does not live wisely and is lazy in their actions. The word slothful here not only means slow or lazy, but it as well means procrastinating. I'm going to put it off. I'm going to put it off. How many folks do you know that you've ever witnessed to that said, I'll get saved one day. I'm going to put it off a little while. I'm going to wait till I'm older. I'm going to wait till I'm older. Well, you cannot wait till you're older because today's a day of salvation, not tomorrow because we don't know if we got tomorrow. We don't know if we have old age or not. We don't have, we don't have the ability to know if we can put anything off. And I would say not just for salvation, but for serving the Lord, I would ask you this morning and my own heart, how many things have you put off? And you just said, well, Lord, not, not right now. Lord, I know you said you wanted me to do this, but I just not right now. And we keep putting off and putting off and procrastinating these things. And we say we're not being slothful. We say we're being patient. Now, there is some patience that we need. But let's not get this twisted or messed up. Laziness is not patience. But patience is not laziness. We are called to not be slothful in our business, but to be energetic, to be excited, to be intentional with the things that we do. Not to be slothful in the sense like a sloth might just meander and even seemingly as if it has no purpose in this world. I don't know what the purpose it has. I don't know if if the sloth is good for meat or you can make glue out of it. But nevertheless, it's just there. 
You see, the church of God, every individual in this room today, is called not to be slothful. We are called to be intentional because we have purpose. The slothful servant will never be used of God. The slothful servant never adds anything to the church. They're just kind of there, hanging around on their long toenails as a church member. I want you to know, we're called to be used of God. He then tells us, not slothful in business, but here's the exciting part, fervent in spirit. This word fervent here means to be urgently zealous. And it gives us the image of a boiling pot. Right? This pot that's literally boiling and bubbling over. It's, it's active, right? If you took science class at some point, you learned that the, the water that you just stick in a pot and it's not hot or it's just there, it's not very active, it's just sitting, right? Then, once you add that heat and that thing starts boiling, what happens? The bubbles are coming up and everywhere, it's splashing and making that sizzle sound on your stovetop and everything, the, the whole nine yards. It, it's active. It, it, it's involved. It, it's going. See, the Spirit stirs within us to serve God. It is the Holy Spirit that calls us to serve Christ. It is the Spirit that enables us to serve Christ. And it stirs within us the, the need and the, the desire to serve the Lord in every capacity possible. I want you to know, you and I are not and should not ever be above picking up trash, digging a hole for the Lord. We should never be above giving out a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. We should never be above scrubbing a toilet or changing a light bulb. We should never be above anything because Christ has called us to serve Him. What a privilege that the King of Kings says, I want you to come and serve me. Not only does He want us to serve Him, but the great thing about being His servant is as well that we get to then sit at the same table as Him and one day Christ shall serve us and we will have a glad feast, a glad reunion. But Jesus is the ultimate servant and shows us what it means to serve. Never in the Gospels do we find Jesus going, Oh, great, another crowd that needs healing. Oh, boy, they're hungry, and I've got some fish, and I've got I to feed them now. We don't find this. There was urgency. There was a, a fervent spirit. We are to be fervent in the Spirit of God and not so fervent in our own self. What happens is that we get real excited about the things that excite us. We get real excited about the things that we care the most about. But sadly... The thing that we should care most about is Jesus, and we don't get near as excited. Right now, March Madness is happening. If you're a basketball fan, March is the greatest month in basketball. March Madness, you've got games every day, all day. Basketball's going. It's the tournament, the brackets, the whole nine yards. It's great. We, we, we enjoy it. We love it. And guess what? When you have that buzzer beater for the championship and they win, you know what happens? Everybody goes, Woo! Yeah! Way to go! This is great! We're all sorts of excited. And we get to church. And we sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me. And we praise God like a bunch of Eeyores. I want you to know, if Jesus saved you, you ought to be a little bit excited about it. Right? Even a backslid Presbyterian might shout every once in a while. We ought to be excited to serve Christ. We ought to be excited and fervent in our spirit that Jesus has saved us and sealed us and has used us to serve Him in His kingdom and for His kingdom. How can we not be excited about the things of God? If we can shout at a football game or a basketball game or for your kids or grandkids games that you go to, I think we should get excited about serving Jesus. 
If we can be excited about travel ball and we can be excited about cooking shows or a new uh, boat or a new truck, I think we should get a little bit more excited about Jesus because those things are temporary. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the only one that's truly worthy of us serving. Jesus is the one that we are called to not just serve and to work for, but to glorify, to praise Him, to love Him, not because of who we are, but because of who He is, that He first loved us. There should be zeal and excitement for the opportunity to know Jesus and to serve Him. We often hear this phrase, well, I got to do this, or, well, I've heard this a million times, I, I got to go to church, so I, I can't come. Or I got to do this, so I can't make that. I want you to know, it's a sorry, lousy, lazy attitude that I've had and that you've had. To say, I got to go to church or I got to do this. We get to go to church. We get to praise God. We get to give to missions. We get to serve the Lord. We get to change the light bulb. We get to scrub the toilet. We get to serve Jesus. It's not this, I got to. You see, what I got to means is I'm obligated and it's a burden and I don't really want to do it. Jesus should not be a burden. As a matter of fact, He's the burden lifter. His burden is is light. His yoke is easy. And He comes alongside of us and wants us to yoke up to Him. And it makes serving Him not to where we got to serve Jesus, but we get to. I believe that for some reason and somewhere along the line, we've got it all sorts of twisted where we want church to be about us and what we get out the deal. We love Jesus as long as we're getting what we want out of Him. Jesus is not a, a genie and a magic lamp that we get to go and say, oh, I got a, I got a wish, will you grant it? He's not a fairy godmother. He's not the pie in the sky. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one who has saved your soul and yet we can't get about half a minute of excitement about serving Jesus. I would say, where is our fervency? Most of us, unlike that boiling pot, as he describes the word fervent in spirit, most of us are stagnant swamp water of our spiritual Christianity. We're, most of us are, are, are so stagnant, we got stuff growing, and it ain't good. It looks like my coffee cup in my office. It's got funk on the bottom of it, inside. And no, I'm not going to wash that thing. It adds flavor, okay? But we're talking about spiritual things here. We're not called to be slothful. We're not also called to overwork ourselves to death thinking that we're going to please God all the more that way, neither. But where's the balance? The balance is the fact that we have our spirit that is tied to His spirit, that our spirit is seeking Christ and making Him the center of our life. And if Christ is the center of our life, there will be some fervency. There will be some excitement. And I know this, when you first got saved, you were excited, weren't you? I mean, you were excited. You were the most excited person. You were the happiest person, most joyful person in the world. You, you would witness to a tree if you thought it would trust Jesus. I mean, you, you, nobody could stop you. You were just excited that Jesus saved you and you wanted to tell somebody. You wanted to be used of Him because of what He had done for you. But then, life happens. And our excitement about the things of God start to dwindle. Our urgency for the gospel disappears. And we start making every excuse in the book as to why we can't serve Jesus. And as Cammie saying earlier, the old accuser will come and tell you, see, you're not good enough. God can't use you no more. 
you're too old, you're too poor, you're too broke, you're too sinful, you can't be used of God. The devil can go take a hike. A long one. He can take a long walk off a short bridge. How about that? Jesus has saved us. We should serve Him excitedly. Serving the Lord, He says, then, it is not us serving ourself. It is not even serving your brother and sister. It is not even serving a certain program or ministry that you like to be involved with. It is not even serving the church because what all those things boil down to is serving the Lord. It don't matter if you do security, sound room, clean, come, give, pray, whatever you do in the church. It is not for you or for the others. It is ultimately and must always be for the Lord. If it is for your glory, don't do it. If you're here because of somebody else or because you got to, don't do it. It is for the Lord, because of the Lord, because of who He is. Jesus is our Lord, and now we are His bondservant. Uh, Romans 6 tells us in verse 17, But God, be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. We have been set free in order to freely serve Jesus. Church should not be an obligation. Church should be a joy. Witnessing should not be a dreading thing. It should be an exciting thing. To share Jesus, to know Jesus, to worship Jesus, it should bring our hearts great joy because all that we do in our life, everything should be for Jesus. Every day and in everything is an opportunity and a moment that you can serve Christ or you can choose to not. The Bible also tells us in Psalm 100, verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. This means, and you can go and read the rest of Psalm 100, by the way. You're entering into His courts with joy and thanksgiving. You're excited about Jesus. Why? Not because you just have all these emotions or you're trying to fake it till you make it, but rather because when we see what Jesus has done for us, it should stir something within you. If you are not stirred still by a glimpse at the cross, you've got a heart problem. If you're not stirred any longer by the fact that that tomb is still empty and that Christ is coming again, you've got a heart problem. The gospel should still stir us uh, to, to serve Him and to do so with gladness. It is a joy to serve Jesus. Then verse 12, we are as well to be serving expectantly. What this means is that we're expecting a couple things. One, he says, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Rejoicing in hope, first of all, comes from what we just talked about a little while ago. As a matter of fact, what we sung about. Jesus is coming again. Coming again. I, I mean, I tell you what, if the church truly believed that Jesus was coming again, we just might start actually serving Jesus. If we truly believed that, that Christ was going to return and set up shop and rule and reign, we just might start submitting our hearts to Him now. 
It's what we need. But he says rejoicing in hope. Joy comes from faithfully looking upward and outward to finish our race, not just to hold on until the ride's over, but to continue to persevere through this thing. It is confidence in Christ's expected return. That is our hope. And it's not a hope as in hope Jesus comes back, but it's a confidence of waiting assuredly that Christ is coming again. And I want you to know this. One of two things is going to happen first. Either you are going to die or Jesus is going to come back. And either way, you're going to immediately step into eternity and you will either have known Christ and be with Him forevermore or you will be without Him and be cast away. There is no second chances once that moment happens, either your death or His return. And I want you to know, we don't know which one is coming first, by the way. The Lord Jesus could call His church home right now. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But I want you to know, you've got to be ready. The only way to be ready is simply by trusting in Jesus for your salvation. That Christ came, He died on the cross for your sins. That he, he literally became sin. That he paid the price for your sin. He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scripture to offer you eternal life not for you to try to work your way to heaven or give your way to heaven, but rather that you would repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and trust in Jesus. And He would save you to the uttermost. He would save you and you would remain in that state, in that position from that moment forward. And there's nothing you can do to make Him love you more or to make you, Him love you less. Christ loves you because He died for you. He rose for you. And now He lives and reigns so that you would live for Him. Confidence. We should be loving Jesus. We should be longing for Jesus. Most of us long for the sermon to be over. We long for a lot of things. But if there's anything that we should long for, it shouldn't be the things of this world. It should be Jesus. Because the greatest thing about heaven is not the reunion with family and friends. That's a great thing, though. It's not the beauty of it. It's not the fact that there's going to be, maybe, uh, an endless supply of hot, fresh Krispy Kreme donuts or duck donuts. Fingers crossed. It's Jesus. He is not just the rewarder, but He is the reward. We must never forget such. Then He says, patient in tribulation. Our confidence and rejoicing gives us patience through the darkest trial. The idea here is of this deep, Deep struggle. It's not just a, a problem or a, uh, a, nail, a, a hangnail on, on your finger here. That We're talking about a deep, deep, dark trial of life. He says to be patient in this tribulation. But many look at patience as being inactive. Many look at patience as being slothful. Patience is not just not doing nothing, but patience is being still and trusting and waiting for the Lord. Being patient is not inactive, but rather actively and steadfastly enduring. Your patience is to be purposeful. That I am waiting and trusting on the Lord until He says go, or until He moves, or until He tells me how to move, or where to go, and what to do. Being patient is probably our best attribute, isn't it? No. Especially when tribulations come. I want to tell you this. This week, my back's been all thrown out. I've been the most impatient human being on the face of the planet. Frustrated, irritated, aggravated, all them things. But I know that this is just a momentary light affliction, and it's not even that bad. There's a whole lot worse that could happen to me, isn't it? 
whole lot worse that could happen in her life, but yet the Lord says to be patient, be confident in this tribulation. It's to keep on keeping on. Why? Because either one day I'm going to keep serving Jesus and I'm going to die and go be with Him, or He's going to sound that trumpet and we're going to be out of here. Therefore, we can keep on going. He says, continuing in prayer, we should be not only expecting His return as we serve Him and expecting Him to use us, but we should be expecting... God to move as we pray. Continuing instant in prayer. This means that we keep praying and we keep praying and keep praying. I want you to know if you've got that problem, that issue in your life that you've got, that maybe that sin and you've prayed for it once, pray for it twice. Pray for it again. And then when you've prayed for it again, pray for it another time. And when you've prayed for it another time, go ahead and keep on praying about that thing. You know why? Because there's nothing in this world that is too small for you to pray about and there's nothing too big that your prayer that God won't hear an answer. There's nothing too big that God can't move, that God can't do. There's nothing too small that He doesn't care about. He cares for you. His thoughts are many towards you. And he desires that we would come to Him and fellowship and communion and to cast our cares and our concerns at His feet to trust Him in prayer. But to continue instant, it's this idea that we're continuing to pray. We pray, we pray. Right? If you want revival and you say, Lord, give us revival, and that's your prayer and that's the only time you pray, I wouldn't expect revival. If you need victory over sin and you say, Lord, forgive me and help me, and then you don't pray no more, or there's no change, there's no continued attitude, there's no real repentance, I wouldn't expect that sin to get conquered. But you and I are called to actually pray and to expect some things. Prayer places our hope and our trust in Him. It's going, I'm putting this in your hands, Lord. I'm trusting in you, Lord, because only you can take care of this situation. Only you can take care of this problem. Only you can give me the strength to conquer this sin, to walk in victory, to live as, as you have called me to live. Prayer is the thing as well that allows us to persevere. Those older saints who have walked with the Lord for decades and decades, what got you through? A whole lot of prayer. A whole lot of prayer. It is prayer that allows us to be patient in that tribulation because our patience in tribulation truly must be powered by prayer. Patiently praying and expecting to be used of God and to have our prayers answered. I'm not talking about a name it, claim it theology, by the way, because that's unbiblical garbage. What I'm talking about is us expecting the Lord to hear our hearts because He does to expect the Lord to care for His children because He does, to expect the Lord to use us because that's what He desires and that's what He does. Lastly, serving expressively. This is where sort of the rubber meets the road where we get to the outward things. This is where we're mostly concerned with it. I want you to know, though, if you don't have the earlier stuff of verses 10 and 11, or excuse me, verses 11 and 12, if you don't have that excitement about Jesus, If you don't have that expectancy of Jesus, you're not going to have the expression. Inward, then outward. Not outward, then inward. Now the outward here, though, that he talks about this expressively, he he says in verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. This is giving with hospitality. Not talking about southern hospitality, which might offer you a glass of lemonade and sweet tea and then say, well, bless your heart. Okay, We're talking about actually caring for the needs of others. What he addresses in verses 13 and 15 will go completely against your nature and your desires and what you and I are so prone to do. It is not natural for us to give when it hurts. 
It is not natural for us to help those or to bless those that hate us. It is not natural for us to do these things, but yet the Spirit of God is a new creature, a new creation with a new nature, a new desire. It can be. That's something that He calls us to do. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, giving hospitality. We are to take care of the needs of the insiders, which are the church, and the outsiders, which is the community. We must bear one another's burdens. We must take care of each other. Because, by the way, the church is made up of a bunch of needy people. And I'm not talking about needy and whiny kind of needy, all right? Don't be that, by the way. This ain't, this ain't preschool, all right? But I'm talking about needies in the sense that we all have needs, don't we? We all have needs that oftentimes we don't let another soul know about. Many times we even have needs that we don't even tell God about. Because we're ashamed, we're prideful, we're embarrassed, we want to be strong. I want you to know, when we're talking about distributing to the necessity of saints, I can't help you unless I know how to help you. Your brother and sister don't know how to help you unless you tell them how to help you. But by the way, each one of us is to be there for one another. It is the church that is made up of needy people that in turn then helps others who are in need. But even more so when he's talking about this, given to hospitality, it means that we seek out the need. Many times we say, well, I just don't know how to serve Jesus because I, I just don't see where I could fit in. I don't know where I could go. I don't know what I could do. I want you to know there is countless opportunities to serve Jesus. Every moment is. And by the way, if you see a need, you can fill that need. If you know that somebody needs volunteers or next to hand, you can be that. There's, there's very little uh, checks and balances or requirements here to go, well, I don't know about you. There's a few things, certainly, but, but when it comes to serving Jesus, it means that we seek out the opportunity. We often seek out the opportunity that makes us look good, that makes us feel good, but very rarely do we seek out the opportunity that means that we have to give or that we have to help or be stretched a little bit. We don't like that stretching of our Christian walk, but that's what makes us grow. Then he says this one. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. This is a tough one. Jesus said the world is going to hate you because the world hates me. So if you love Jesus, expect people to hate you. Expect people to go against you. Even expect your family and your friends to come against you if you stand for Jesus. But you know what you're still called to do? Stand for Jesus. Nor are you then called to not only... Are, are, are you called to, to stand for Jesus? But you're not called to then rebuke and to belittle the persecutor. You're to love them. And speak the truth in love is what you're called to do. Pray for them. He says, bless them. Bless those that bless you out. That's what we're getting at. He says, and curse not. He's not just talking about language, but the idea is that when someone curses against us or hates us because of who we are and what we stand for is that we go ahead and we let that thing happen. We stand for Jesus. We do not retaliate with cursing or sinful actions against Him. And this goes completely contrary to our nature. I want to give you a couple examples of this. Jesus, during His crucifixion, had His beard ripped. He was spat upon. A, a crown and a and a mocking robe placed upon him as they beat him with a reed. Not a word. 
the accusations, the false accusations came to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, if you really are the Messiah, tell us who hit you. Even on the cross. If you're the Son of God, get us off of these crosses. If you're really God. Not a word. Stephen, one of the first martyrs, a deacon, a strong believer, used of God in a great way, and in his persecution, preaches the gospel and puts that hammer down on that thing. But he is then stoned to death. And in so doing, you know what he does? Like Jesus, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Commits himself to the Lord and looks up and awaits his reward who is Jesus himself. He doesn't worry about going, I'm going to pick up these rocks, they throw them at me, I'm going to try to throw them back at them. No. How about the countless martyrs who have died for the cause of Christ? I challenge you to read books like Jesus Freaks, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Get online and just the, the, the monthly magazine, the, the Voice of the Martyrs. I want you to read some of these stories about men and women and even little children who knew Christ and literally as they are facing death by unimaginable ways that they preach to their persecutors, they bless them, they tell them that Jesus loves them and that they love them, they pray for them. And yet you and I often look at the rest of the world as our enemy. We often look at anyone that says something bad against us or gives us a wrong look, even if they didn't mean to, and we write them off altogether, and in heaven help them if they ever look at us again. He says, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Lastly, he says this. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We had talked last week about how we have no room for hypocrisy. But what we need more today is not just to not only be not hypocritical. We need to be sympathetic to one another. For some reason, we've become cynical, self-centered. The, the needs of others don't bother us near as much. If you have a small problem in your life, it's the biggest problem in the world. There's nothing, nothing bigger than yours. No one has a worse problem than what you've got. No one has a bigger need than what you've got. He says rejoice with those who rejoice, meaning there's no room for envy and there's no room for pride. If we were honest, we would certainly say that we would love to see every pew in this place packed. We would love to say every week somebody's getting saved and we're dunking somebody. But we don't see those things. You can do one of two things. Either one, allow that to discourage you to say, God's just not moving. Or we can look at that mission board and read a couple missionary letters. Or we can listen and see that while we might not have seen it here on this Sunday morning, God's at work. God does more in a second than we'll ever do in a lifetime. God is still saving souls. God is still calling people to missions. God is still planting churches. God is still making disciples. God is still doing great miracles and marvelous things because that's who he is. I ain't in no competition with no other church because there ain't a competition. I'm not in competition to try to see how many hands I can get raised, how many people I can get, how many numbers we got. I want to serve Jesus.
Because numbers don't matter if I don't love Jesus. Hands don't matter, programs don't matter, unless Jesus. That's the difference. So I rejoice that my brother and sister in Christ are going to go to a place that I would be too scared to go and will see people come to Jesus and will see disciples made. I, I, while I am so disappointed and discouraged at times that America is under judgment of God, by the way, and deservedly so, and it will probably get worse. And we would deserve worse. By His mercy, it hasn't gotten there. Churches are falling apart. Many churches will close the doors in the next three to five, five and I'm not even joking, the next three to five years, 20% of our churches are going to close their doors. There are more false religions and false teachings that get risen up than there are Bible-believing churches that are out there now because most of them are too worried about competing with one another than they are about actually doing the Great Commission. While we don't see the stuff in America as much, there's a whole other world, it seems, outside of America where the gospel is being preached and people are desperate for it. God is moving. Never be mistaken that though you don't see it here and now, that God is not moving there and continuing to do so. Rejoice for it. I praise God for that. But then he says, weep with those that weep. We all have times of weeping. We all have times of great tribulation and darkness in our life. Weep with those that weep. We are to be sympathetic. We are to be compassionate. One of the most striking, challenging, yet comforting things in all of the Gospels is when it says, and Jesus had compassion on them. Where Jesus saw their need and it says, and He had compassion. We are to bear one another's burdens. Yoke yourself up to each other and help each other along. You know why? Because you're not in competition with the person next to you in the pew. You're not in a competition to see who can be the most spiritual here. right? We're not giving out gold star stickers and, and blue ribbons. We're called to help one another. To serve one another. As we bring this to a close today, I want to ask my heart, I want to ask your heart, why do you serve? One of the dangers of preaching, pastoring, is that we often get to the place where we serve because we're in charge or just because we got to, not because we get to. We serve because it's what's expected. As many times we forget the high calling. But guess what? We do the same even when you're not a pastor. God has entrusted you with the gospel. Husbands, fathers, God has entrusted you with your family. That's a higher honor than I can ever tell you. Be used of God in that. We have to ask ourselves, why do we serve though? Is it just to say that we served? Is it to check mark some sort of list to make sure that we're spiritual enough and good enough? 
Is it just that we don't want others to look down and think that we're not helping out, pulling our weight around here? Why we serve must be for the glory of God. Is it all for Him? Or is it all for you? Let me ask you this as well. How do you serve? Not by what things do you do for the Lord, but you do so with a heart of gladness. Do you serve the Lord because you get to, not because you got to? Do you see the big picture of that everything in our church, everything in your home, everything in your heart must be for Jesus? To serve Christ is to love and serve His church. But as well to serve Christ is to love and serve our community. We've got to take care of the inward in order to take care of the outward. But I want you to know that outward desperately needs us to have our inward straight. We need a church that at the end of the day desires to know Christ and to make Him known. Let's all stand. As the piano plays, if you have a need, if you need to know Christ, call upon Him and He'll save you. If you have questions, take the Bible and I can show you. Come, take that step of faith. But today, if you've been struggling with your service, if you've been struggling with your heart today, if you're struggling with how you love the Lord or, or, or how, how you've responded or handled things in your life, this altar is open for you to come. Ask the Lord for help. Ask Him to give you that excitement again, to fill your heart with that joy again so that you might serve Him with gladness, that we might be and that you might be Christ-centered Christians in a Christ-centered church.
Almighty God, we're grateful for your patience and your work in our hearts. Lord, help us to serve you with gladness again. God, give us excitement and joy. Restore unto us joy of your salvation. God, that we might serve you freely and faithfully. Lord, I pray that you would help each heart here today. Lord, help us as we go from this place to remember that we represent you as ambassadors. To go and live for you. To be used of you. Lord, we're grateful for this time, for your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I remember.